All right, we had pretty much uh, worked our way through, we're working our way through the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. And as you might have noticed by now that, boy, for our first sermon, he sure nailed it, did he not? I mean, he just laid it out there. I mean, this is basically his uh, coming out party for uh, who he is and what he has to say. And we are to the point now where he talks about what we should do and now we've come to the point where he's talking about what we will face if we do what we should do. And it's kind of interesting. It's It sort of flies in the face of uh, what we expect and what we think will happen when we do what we're supposed to do. <laughs> you know. Um, and, and honestly, what it comes down to is we do what we're supposed to do because we're supposed to do it, not for a reward. So verse 10, 11, and 12, I'm going to join them all together because they deal with one thought. Uh, I'm not going to break them up, but Jesus speaking to uh, uh, his people. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, it's sort of a stark little message right in the middle of all the blessings. Uh, and he's telling us that we're going to be blessed when these things that we pray that don't happen, happen. Um, it starts out with those who have been persecuted and those then it goes to those who are persecuted or when it happens. So past, present, and future. So anytime you faced persecution for the sake of the kingdom, because you're a Christian and you live like one, uh, what he says, rejoice and be glad. Uh, that's not poetry. He means it. Uh, you should smile. Uh, if, and it's interesting because now as society starts to push back a little bit, and, um, and a lot of the pushback we get is because of things we did when we have political power, which always concerns me when uh, I I'm, I get more concerned when we get political power than when uh, the world overwhelms political power because I'm more worried about us doing wrong than them uh, honestly it, it's devastating and why should we rejoice and be glad well because your reward in heaven is great and uh, scripture uh, doesn't duck or hide this what it's telling you is this is all about after you're dead uh, because after you're dead is forever. And those rewards are the ones that really matter. The rest of this stuff just falls away. It really doesn't mean anything. It's like getting a Christmas present as a kid. You get it, you're happy, and two weeks later it's sitting in a corner and no one's playing with it. And it really doesn't mean anything to you anymore. So what Jesus is saying, focus on what matters. Live for the things that are eternal. Now, persecute. It means to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict, especially, specifically, not especially, to cause to suffer because of a belief. See, that's why persecution is different from people just being mean to you. There's people who could do stuff to you because they don't like you or anything like that. Uh, this is basically uh, because of Jesus Christ. And he makes that very clear. Because of me... Um, the kingdom of heaven for the sake of righteousness for me for doing what's right you pay a price 
Well, what he's saying is that price you pay gets paid back to you with interest in the kingdom of heaven. So basically, the greater the price you pay here, the more your reward is there. Um, and we, we pray so hard that it doesn't happen. And what he's saying is, hey, when it happens, smile. Um, it doesn't really, you know, good things are coming your way. And it's important that we recognize that the scope of the consideration for persecution that is noted here is limited to one's affliction with Jesus Christ, with your spiritual belief, with the kingdom of heaven. Because there's a myriad of reasons we persecute each other. Uh, it's just what human beings do. We find a reason and we do it. It makes us feel good about ourselves. But this beatitude addresses a singular reason, a singular motive, because we are who we are and we live like it. Our very existence, by the fact that we are who we are and we live like we should, uh, we proclaim, just by living that way, to everyone that they are not divine. When we say we are not, it tells them they're not. That everyone answers to God about everything that they think, do, and say. Even if you don't say it, the way, the way you live your life proves it. The fact that you humble yourself and live righteously to the Word of God says to them that they should be too. Uh, people don't like that. Uh, they really don't. And they haven't liked it from the very beginning. Um, you know, when Christians started to live the way that Scripture said, it turned the Romans against them. It turned just about everybody against them um, because it challenges their life. So, if you're humble, if you mourn, if you're gentle, if you re desire righteousness, if you're merciful and pure, which are the things in the Beatitude, the verses above this, and if you are a peacemaker, then odds are good that you will be confronted by this world because you refuse to conform to it. So after Jesus tells us the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who mourn, then he tells you, you're probably going to get persecuted for this. This is what I want you to do. This is who is blessed. This is the blessing you will get. But realize that the world's not going to like it. Um, you know, don't expect them to applaud. Actually expect them to react negatively. But he says, don't worry about that because that's when you're really blessed. Um, because if they do, because it means you're living the way you should. Because your very life challenges what they have accepted or what they've declared to be the truth. So if you live those Beatitudes, it's a declaration of what truth is. And as I told you in the beginning of the Beatitudes, it is totally contrary to what the world teaches. At first thought, it could seem to be a bit reactionary to believe that one would be persecuted for uh, doing such apparently pleasant things. Perhaps this is just Jesus using poetic exaggeration or hyperbole to make an important point. This is more than using dramatic for emphasis. This is a plain statement of fact. As Jesus tells us in John 15, 15, 19 through 20, if you are of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the words that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So, in other words, 
uh, the same reactions that Jesus Christ got. Those who persecuted him and those who followed him, well, you will get the exact same thing that happens to you because Jesus Christ indwells you through the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus is telling you, if you want to know what your life as a Christian is going to be like, just take a look at mine. Uh, of course, not at that level because we are not at that level. But what he's saying is, uh, because of this, the world hates you. That's not what we want to hear. And then once again, it doesn't really go on recruitment posters, but Jesus Christ never hides it. It's right there. And we try to create a Christianity where that's not true. We, we try to bend to the world so that these things don't happen, so they're not mad at us for speaking truth. Uh, that's not what Jesus is looking for, and it's not what he told you is going to happen. Um, later, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9. through 9, We, the church are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, and God's with us, struck down, but not destroyed. Once again, not on our bumper stickers, not a message we give and then call people forward to the altar, you know, but it's never hidden. This is, this comes with it, man, and it's just, Paul later simplifies when he writes to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, of course, the persecution they were facing was a little tougher than what we are facing at this point in time. Uh, but it's still the same. It could change at any given moment. And if it were to change, we'd all be saying, Oh, the kingdom of heaven is in dire trouble. Uh, that's not true. This is what's supposed to be happening. Um, sometimes you got to ask yourself if they, if they're not coming after me, am I not living the way I should live? If I'm not, two things should happen. What he said, he said before, he, he said there will those who will follow your words or those who will persecute you. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. Um, he he got everybody off the fence. I mean, there was no in between. You were former against them, and. Uh, these are harsh recruitment verses for Christianity. If you do the things that the Beatitude tells you you should do, then you will not be uh, not just rejected by this world, but you'll be attacked by it, by some of it. The others will be brought to the Lord through it. And I guess what is being said here is, the ones who come to the Lord are worth the price you pay through persecution. Uh, just like Jesus Christ paid that price for us, we have to be willing to pay that price for them. They're that valuable. They matter that much. Uh, every good thing you do or say will be minimized, and every mistake you make will be exaggerated. Where do I sign up? Uh, the more righteousness you pursue, the more truth you proclaim, the brighter the target you paint on your own back. And that's the truth. And he doesn't mince any words. Uh, I love John 10, 31-32. It says, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. This is like, I don't know how many times Jesus went and told the truth, and they picked up rocks to kill him. And Jesus answered them when they picked up the stones. He says, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? For what good thing that I did are you killing me? But see, the good things he did... Uh, just worked on their insides and because they knew it was right and they didn't want to live that way it was easier to just kill him 
Uh, scripture tells us that the agencies of our persecution will be the world, the government, Satan, family and friends, and perhaps most interestingly, religious authorities. Scripture says each one of those things will be a source of persecution. When we teach our children to sing this little light of mine, we usually don't warn them that we'll be hated for letting their light shine by somebody somewhere. Uh, John Rice wrote, The world never burned a casual Christian at the stake. There wasn't enough reason to hate him. Uh, these three verses uh, speak to persecution because doing right uh, because of doing right, not being persecuted for persecuting others for doing harm. In other words, the reason you're being persecuted is... <laughs> there could be a lot of reasons why somebody gets persecuted. Some of them would be valid. But what this is saying is this is, once again, this is just specifically talking about being persecuted for how you're living your life in righteousness. How you are living the Beatitudes, basically. As we face challenges from the more liberal part of the society, and some from the very far right... We have to ask ourselves, how much of the challenge did we bring on ourselves by our own past actions in society and politics? What damage did we do that we're now getting back? And I'm not, I'm not even... Think about it. That's all I'm asking. You know, did we do harm? And is some of this coming back on us because we did harm 20 years ago when we had, quote-unquote, political power? Uh, did we try to impose our beliefs on others through political means? instead of by living righteously ourselves? Did we try to force people into the kingdom instead of living the Beatitudes? Instead of paying a price, did we try to make them pay a price? Our focus should never be on what is wrong with the goats, but rather what is wrong with ourselves. There is nothing in Scripture that tells us to keep talking about how bad the goats are. We know. He knows. They're goats. They do goat stuff. First Peter 4, 15-16 Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. 1 Peter 2, 19-20. Now, if you remember 1 Peter, it had a lot to do with persecution and a lot to do with um, false teachers. Uh, so this is where a lot of this should come from. Uh, for this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For the sake of conscience towards God. What God would think of me. I do this because of that. I don't care what happens. I don't care what others think. I'm going to live my life in a way that pleases him. Uh, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? We, so what? <laughs> In other words, if you rob a bank and you go to jail for robbing a bank, and, and you go joyously, there is no reward for you. You rob the bank. Uh, but if you do what is right and suffer for it, and you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. First Thessalonians 4.11 and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. I think that should be on a bumper sticker. Make it your ambition 
to mind your own business. You know, take care of what's yours to take care of inside of your own heart. And the witness that that will produce will be worth more than any words or street corner or pamphlets you could hand out. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying that's where the real value is. That's what God's looking for. Okay. So he tells us we're going to be persecuted. He tells us that's a good thing. You know, if you are persecuted, uh, if somebody comes at you for what you do and believe in Christ, just be happy because this is being noticed in heaven and it will be noted eternally. Uh, God will, he, he's keeping score. He always did. Uh, so now we come upon this thing where why it matters that we do that. It not just matters because we get a reward in heaven. Our, our sticking... Oh, I lost everybody. Hello there. I blame Roland. This happens because he's in South Carolina. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the connection's uh, not good down here. Well, when you figure this here router has to go all the way to South Carolina and back, Roland, it's, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. That's how technology works. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Once again, we're fixing this. This should be better maybe next week. Um, so he not only tells us that we'll be rewarded in heaven, these next couple verses are really important. Because it tells us what we should do in the Beatitudes. It tells us what will happen if when we do it a little warning and then in these next couple of verses it tells us why why we need to do these things why it's so important verse 13 you that's all of us here the screen i look at and all your little initials and your faces are the salt of the earth but if the salt has become tasteless how can it be made salty again it no longer it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men now remember this comes right after talking about persecution and hanging in there through persecution uh, to me this addresses don't let it stop you because if it stops you your value to this world as the salt uh, the things that uh, make it more pa that make life more palatable matter uh, Luke 14, 34-35, talking, uh, salt's a pretty big topic in Scripture. Therefore, salt is good, if even salt has, but if salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for soil or for manure power. Manure power. In other words, you can't fertilize with nothing, you can't grow nothing with it. It is thrown out. He who hears, let him hear. It's hard for us to grasp the depth of this verse as we've had so much exposure to salt that it's become problematic to our health. I mean, they didn't have the salt problems we have. Salt was something that had to go to be mined and then hauled somewhere and then divvied up and bought. I mean, it wasn't in everything it had to be put in. But the value of salt should be, uh, would be pretty hard to overstate. We're just so used to it being there that we've sort of lost an idea of what it would be like not to have it. Uh, salt stops things from spoiling. It stops them from rotting. It keeps them so that they could be used. And they give flavor to whatever they touch. 
It's a seasoning and a preservative. Salt made life safe and it made it more palatable. You know, it's something you wanted to do was eat something with salt. If the, the church stopped being about Christ in practice and only remains about Christ in name, then it loses its value to this world. If we become known by our denomination and political leanings more than we are known for living the Beatitudes, then we'll be thrown out and trampled by the world that we were called to minister to. We will have no value to the world. And, and this is about addressing the world. Um, this is not persecution for living the gospel. This is being disregarded for not living the gospel. So he's giving you the other side of it. He tells you what will happen if you live the gospel, and now he's telling you, if you don't live the gospel, what that means. He, basically, these times that you spun around the sun, uh, no matter how many times it is, it's 67,000 miles an hour, or whatever it is, uh, will basically be meaningless. Uh, the time that God gave you is going to have to be answered for. Um, and if you are not living in righteousness and sh showing something, then you're this. Um, these four verses, uh, 13 through 16, speak to those who are in the world. They speak of the importance of your life to them. Notice that there are no, there are no qualifiers attached to these declarations. Uh, rich, popular, worldly, important, good-looking, educated, versus... Uh, uh, versed in the social graces. Jesus simply says, you are. You. Uh, honestly, this has nothing to do with anybody else. This has to do with you. You are the salt in this world. Um, it's And it's not qualified by anything other than the fact that it's you and you're his. Uh, he doesn't say that, you know, if you're this or that, then you're the salt. No, if you're mine, you're the salt. Uh, you are these things right where you are being exactly who you are right now. Your value or impact is tied to Christ's value. You have him and they need him. Whether you show Christ to one person or to a million, it makes no difference in the kingdom to your importance to the kingdom. You're salt to somebody and that's all that matters. And it's up to God to decide whether it's a million or whether it's one. And one is not more important than the other because that one person is what did Jesus say? I will leave the other ones to go find the one. That's how important it is to me. That one person means that much to God. And you may be the one he called and set aside to reach them. You may be their particular dose of salt. Directly after Jesus tells us how the values of the kingdom of heaven differ in contrast from those of the kingdom of men in the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us what impact this difference makes on the kingdom of men. Living the Beatitudes will get you persecuted, but it will change this world. It will have eternal meaning, not just for you, but for somebody. God has chosen us to show himself through, uh, through us. question is, have we shown an accurate reflection of Jesus Christ? Or have we showed them the whitewashed version of ourselves wearing a Jesus t-shirt that we remove once stress is applied? Uh, if we do not live the gospel... We mean nothing to this world. We aren't even worth persecuting as our actions convict uh, no one. We make ourselves insignificant outside of these walls, 
we cease to preach the gospel when we cease to live the gospel. When you stop living the Beatitudes, then it becomes, basically, you're just like everybody else going around the sun waiting to die. 14, he gives us another example. You, once again, it's you, are the light of the world. It may not seem that way to you, but God's telling you that you are. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What he's telling you is, don't even try to hide, because you're the light, and I'm telling you you're the light, I made you the light. You can try to hide, but it doesn't work. And if you try to hide, you're going to have to answer for it. If you put your hands over the light, you will get burned. Uh, you are not what you can be, should be, or may be one day. The light of this world is you. You are so by divine declaration. It doesn't say we are. It says you are, and it says you are right now. While we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, while we are being sanctified, we glow. We also representing his grace to a world that does not know him. So while God is dealing with us, he's dealing with the world through us, even though we are us, which is a really amazing thing because I am nowhere near the witness I should be. It is the power of God being used through me. It has nothing to do with me. It just says you are so you are because of his declaration. But part of the part of the process in growing us involves us being that light. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And the more you grow, the more you glow. And uh, what he's saying is we are here to grow and we are here to glow. Uh, whatever else you think you are here to do. <laughs> and the world will give you a million things to tell you that's why you're here. Uh, it is subject, no matter what else you do or don't do, it is subject to these two things, if you're a Christian. As Solomon said, everything else is vanity. These are the two things that matter, growing and glowing. Uh, Proverbs 4, 18 through 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Now that's a sweet little verse. What it's saying is the same thing. Righteousness is its own light. And it's a light out into that world. And it shines brighter as time goes on. As you grow, you glow more. And that's a beautiful Old Testament example. God has chosen us. He has chosen you to be a reflection of his light. Question is, how brightly do we shine? And how clear is the image? We have shown them a whitewashed version of ourselves. Like I said, uh, that we often... Uh, lose whenever stress is applied? Or do we shine even brighter when subjected to heat and to friction? Do we go back to the persecution things and look at it and see it what it is? When we live the Beatitudes and we're persecuted, does it make us shine brighter when that happens? Or do we just put it under a bushel? Do we lose the saltiness? Do we hide the light because we've been persecuted? At times, we silently question God's judgment regarding using us, using me, to be the light in a dark world. Like, are you sure, Lord? You know, me? 
we know ourselves. We know how dark we can be when things don't go our way. Or, even worse, when they do go our way. We know that we are a light on a dimmer switch that can be turned down simply by applying pressure in the right direction. Satan knows which way to turn that switch. We ask our, we ask our God, are you sure this is how you want to do this, Lord? Do you want to use us to show the world your light? Like Moses did when he was called to, uh, to a task by God. Remember, he said, Moses, I want you to go free my people. I want you to go be my voice. And he said, oh, Lord, you sure you want me? Because I'm not good at this. I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to... Shut up, Moses. Go do what I told you to do. Uh, yeah, we suggest that God use someone else. Someone who's more righteous. Someone who's more holy. Someone who lives the Beatitudes better than we do. It's not how God does it. Uh, through his word, he answers with an emphatic, yeah, I'm sure. Now get out there and start shining. Uh, consider these three passages regarding our call and duty to shine the light of Christ in this world. What living the Beatitudes will do, not just for you, but for this poor sad world. Salt and light. John 12, 35-36 So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light. He's talking about himself. So that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light. So that, so that, you may become sons of the light. Which happens with his death and resurrection, by the way. That's how we become the sons of his light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself from them. So basically he tells them that, and then goes hides, and basically think about this. We shine because of what we believe. Because we believe in the power of the light of Christ. We know that what Christ meant when he said in John 18, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what he's saying, Jesus said in John 8, was if you follow me, you will have the light of life. Believe that this light can prove the truth. That it can show the way to a lost world. If you know its value, you will believe in its power and you will shine the light of Christ. It's important to note that after Jesus tells his people about the source of the light, him, and the importance of the light, he leaves them to be the light. And, and, and that's not a mistake. That, that worked out exactly as it's supposed to. Jesus left here and went there so that we could become the light to this world. Not so we could talk about the light, but so that we could be the light. This, that is the depth of the Beatitudes in the kingdom of heaven. Philippians 2, 12-15 says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my, Paul talking, by the way, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Make it extremely important Something you were actually concerned about and that you take very seriously. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work, to desire and to do, for his good pleasure. 
that what you want and what you do, you do because it pleases God. Do all things without grumbling or dispute, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. So these are the things we do to be the light. Uh, what we do, how we act, and brothers and sisters, most importantly, how we treat each other in here really matters to this world. It is our witness that we are different when we grumble and argue, when we drag each other into our insecurities, our light to this world dims, and this is no small matter. We've been given a mission, a mission that must be accomplished together. I need you to shine, and you need me to shine. That is just how it is. A mission that must be accomplished together. If we are fighting in here, we are losing out there. It is just that simple. And out there matters. It matters to God, so it should matter to us. We will all answer to God for the dimness of our light or be rewarded by Him for its brightness. In this world, we pay to use power. In the kingdom of heaven, we get rewarded for using power. And that's how it works. Ephesians 5, 6 through 10. Learning to be the light. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What he's saying is there's going to be a whole lot of people telling you this ain't true. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you formerly were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Wow, that, that's basically how we should get up every day and think about that. God didn't ask you if you wanted to be the light. He told you that you are. This is our mission, whether you choose to accept it or not. Mission, it's not mission impossible. Either way, you'll answer for it. How do you know if you're walking in the light that God tells you that you are? Does your life consist of goodness and righteousness and truth? If not, then try to learn what Scripture, Fellowship, and the Holy Spirit have been working together to teach you. Basically, grow up in Christ. The things that are pleasing to God. The things that define a life as, uh, that was well lived. The Beatitudes are a good place to begin learning what is pleasing to God and what is light in this world. The Beatitudes are sort of a uh, litmus test for ourselves. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, the Beatitudes are a litmus test for your own light, how bright it's glowing. Uh, and it should be taken seriously. If you're not growing and glowing, then you're simply traveling around the sun in vain. And the things you do here matter little, both here and now, and there and then. Uh, we will end right there on 15, and we will pick up uh, next week on that. Yeah, and we'll be here next week, right? It's the week after it's Christmas, right? Yeah. I believe. Any questions, comments, criticisms, anything? Well, if, Sandy, if you're trying to talk, it's not coming through. I have a comment. Oh, go ahead. Somebody comment. Can you hear me? Yes. 
<laughs> You're commenting. Well, I feel like the what? Yeah, you're commenting through Sandy. He, she's flashing. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Oh, there you are. Right. We're in the same room. Aha! I knew that. <laughs> Not, nothing escapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, sweetie, what's up? <laughs> um, it feels like the first two verses we covered tonight are two of the most misused verses because... I feel like some people think if they're getting persecuted, then they're being righteous. You know what I mean? Oh, or yeah. doing the right thing yeah, right. for the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. What happens is people read this and they went out and sought persecution. <laughs> like, like, persecute me, you know. And, yeah, honey, if you, just, if you live the Beatitudes... Uh, and also, we have to sort of redefine what persecution is a little bit compared to what he was talking about, at least for now, in our lives. I mean, the persecution, them boys, they were being used as torches. I mean, they were being put to crosses and lit to light the, the roadways. I mean, um, if you were, a, and who was persecuting them as much as the Romans was the Jews. I mean, you were, if you, if you were a Christian, you were no longer a Jew. Which means you lost all your uh, connections. You lost your ability oh, to cut out again. Okay, let me know when you're back. Gotta wait. I I hear you. Actually, Kevin cut out. So this time it is. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you're gonna face pushback. Kevin's but frozen on your screen. I hear you, kiddo. You hear me? Yeah, well. Sorry, you cut out again. Okay. Yeah, we lost but it. it's her this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I lost everybody else, too. I'm assuming I did. Okay. Yep, there we go. Now we... We might both need new routers. <laughs> Y'all back? Yeah, there we go. Um, I see ya. We're fixing this. Uh, <laughs> thanks for your patience, everybody. I mean it. Um, yeah. Uh, she has an excellent point. It's <laughs> Instead of just living the Beatitudes and whatever comes, comes, and trust the Lord with it, there are, <laughs> there are some people who just go out and poke the bear for the, for the hope that the bear would bite them so that they would think that they were righteous um the scripture never says to do that let, let me let me sum that up liang with one little verse it's be as far, what did paul say as far as possible with you be at peace with all men that as far as possible with you that should be what we are seeking to do uh, don't seek persecution man it there is no reward for that and it's you just yeah basically yeah, you look nowadays yeah. Yeah. Persecution is probably like oh, getting trolled on Twitter. Yes. Or getting a bad Facebook page. Yep. Post. Or, or having your business attacked because of what you believe, or things like that. And um, you don't really need to do anything other than that. You know, just live the beatitudes. What comes comes. Uh, show them Jesus Christ, and be at peace with men as as much as you can. And then you don't really have to get into the argument. Now, I understand the separation between 
our uh, social and political responsibilities, uh, they're real, and I take them very seriously. But they should never supersede your Christian uh, responsibilities. Never. Um, and it's a mistake to, to link them together that what I believe Christian-wise is what you should do politically. Uh, it's, you know, you vote your conscience, but don't try to make anybody do anything. It, it's just, it's not how Christianity works. And you will get pushback. And once again, if you do that, then you're not being persecuted for doing right. You're being persecuted for bothering people. Um, you know, and it's an excellent point, Liang. Uh, yeah, because because of the discourse that has just polluted society at this point. Uh, you're for me or against me, and that's it. You know, you're my enemy because you don't believe everything I believe. That shouldn't be us. Uh, and I expect that of the world, but I don't expect it to be us. Never, ever allow yourself to lose your understanding of the absolute value of every human being. Even the most obnoxious, the one you can't stand the most, they are extremely valuable to God. So they should be extremely valuable to you. And if they're not, ask him to help you with that. He died for them. That's how valuable they are. Uh, if you don't lose sight of that, you'll handle this. Way. You'll navigate this uh, contentious world well. <laughs> yeah. When we get back, I'll just pray. That was good to end on. Yeah. Are we back? Yes. Roland, you hear me? Yes. Okay, let's pray before we lose everything again. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I ask you to bless them. Uh, they're just so meaningful to me. And now we got the furnace going. But Lord, I, I just ask that your word find a home under our hearts. And when it finds that home, it changes us. It makes us part of the solution, no longer part of the problem. I ask you to watch over my brothers and sisters and protect them. Make them strong, wise, brave, and compassionate. And help them to glorify your name in what they think, what they do, and what they say. In Jesus' name, amen.